When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, right, we're off. Uh, right, hello, everybody. Uh, in this episode... Uh, doing, uh, doing something a bit different. So in previous uh, episodes of the podcast, we've been doing coaching in your ear, but today you are spared that. Uh, today, uh, really in response to the fact, I think we're entering a new phase of life and a new phase of lockdown. Um, we're thinking, we're looking at doing something a little bit different. So uh, I am joined on today's uh, recording by Charlotte Perdue, who, who, as many of you will know, is um, somebody we support through the Milestone Pursuit as an elite athlete, and we'll talk about that perhaps in a, li- in a little while. Um, but uh, if you don't know Charlotte, Charlotte is the fourth fastest female marathoner of all time in Britain, uh, and the third fastest half marathoner. That's right, isn't it? Th- number three for the half marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and is obviously one of our top athletes, um, and is somebody who, again, as I said, I mentioned a moment ago, we, we provide a little bit of financial support to via the Milestone Pursuit. And that program that, uh, that we run, we run a scheme that is um, intended to help support the development of British elite marathoners who we think have been underfunded historically. And uh, so as a result of that, Charlotte gets a little bit of the revenue that our clients spend on with us chasing their own milestones. Um, and so through that, and we've been doing that since 2017. So three years worth of um, Charlotte, and um, and through that we've got to know her, or I've got to know her reasonably well. And so I thought it'd be interesting if we got together now and had a bit of a chat because um, as as an elite athlete, Charlotte is affected quite dramatically by what has happened with COVID-19 and the cancellation of races, and obviously the cancellation of the Olympics or the postponement rather of the Olympics. Um, so she's on the line. Um, we are doing this via Zoom, as you might expect. Uh, I've never done this before, uh, and I've never really interviewed someone in this way before. And so I'm, I don't think it's going to be like any few. Intention is for it just to be a bit of a chat and see how it goes. I've got no idea what's going to happen. Um, Charlotte's got no brief, so she could say anything, and she tends to speak her mind. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how we go. So. Um, uh, obviously, I've been chatting to Charlotte quickly before we started recording, but uh, what I haven't asked her is, uh, have you been running today? Have you been out? <laughs> yeah, I have. Thought you might have done. For one session? <laughs> yeah, one session this morning. Um, yeah. I'm actually on an easy week right now, so um, just easy running for this week and um, possibly next week as well. Okay. What does, e- what does easy running look like for you? Um. Well... It's kind of forced. Uh, <laughs> right. I never like. I never choose to have an easy. Well, you, mean, you mean you have um, to hold yourself back? Yeah. Well, my coach has to hold my, hold me back. I always um I always do what he says. So if he tells me to have an easy week, I, w- I wouldn't go behind his back and say, "No, nah, I don't need to do that." Like that, I'm I'm quite. I would always do what he says. So um yeah. So easy week for me. I'm just running uh once a day most days. I actually 
I could I ran twice on Monday, but that was before my program came through to tell me that I had Ah, uh, so you broke the rules. You were, you were like Dominic Cummings. You broke you broke the rules. Yeah, well, he didn't tell me because obviously with the time difference and Australia and stuff, he usually sends my program through like Monday afternoon for the Tuesday session, and I found out that this this week and next week is going to be easy week. So yeah, I'm just running like an hour a day basically for the next two weeks. Um, oh wow. Yeah, I had a big, I had a big training block, um, which have just come off. And obviously with the no races and there's no need to start marathon training yet, uh, for London if it goes ahead in October. So, um, I basically just don't want to get too fit and like too early, really. Um, I just don't want to get injured and no. I just don't want to get, I've, in 2018, I overdid it a bit. So I'm learning from, from those <laughs> experiences now. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I guess the um, for you, London would have been, oh, Christ, where are we? End of May. So London would have been four or five weeks ago. So right now, had you raced London, you would have been taking it easy right now anyway? Yeah, exactly. I would have had like at least a month of uh, reduced. Uh, I usually take a whole week off and then the second week's usually like getting back into running. So once a day, starting at like 20 minutes, getting up to probably an hour. And then the third week will be like running once a day, maybe twice. And then the fourth week might be running twice a day. And then it won't probably be to the fifth week where I do a session. So yeah, I'd have a whole, mm. whole month block, um, which I haven't had any time off this whole year. So, um, I think it is good. Yeah. So that if I didn't have any time off now, when would I really have time off? <laughs> yeah. So talk, talk. If we go back, so obviously you, you, well not obviously, but for the people who don't know you, you trained across the winter in Australia. So you were in Australia from December through to March, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, So um, and you trained with the Melbourne Track Club, which is run by Nick Bideau, who's your coach. Yeah. Um, And you came back to the UK just before lockdown, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I, it was quite weird actually, because I changed, I changed my flight in March to stay in Australia longer um, because I didn't really want to go home yet yeah. uh, and training was going well. So I thought, well, I might as well stay a few more weeks um, and then come back literally a couple of weeks before London Marathon uh, with the Australians uh, that were doing the marathon as well and my coach. So we we're all going to fly back together a couple of weeks before. And then, yeah, I had to change my flight again um, because I could see the situation getting worse mm. over here. More than over there, actually. They didn't have that bad of an outbreak over there. Um, and, yeah, I just didn't want to get stuck in Australia, basically. So, <laughs> although I do love it over there. I'd already been there for so long and I kind of wanted to go home. So, yeah, I just I changed my flight and literally left the next day after because it was just getting worse every day. Yeah. And was it that was part of that thinking to get back and make sure you were back in the UK in case the marathon did go ahead? Or was that just you wanted to get home because you wanted to be home? Uh, no, it was actually just more because I wanted to be home yeah. because I didn't actually think that. Well, I didn't really think about London getting cancelled. But the day that I landed, I landed off the flight. And I switched on my phone and that, that's when London was cancelled. That exact, it was actually a horrible day. So I landed back from Australia. It was raining so bad, yeah. like torrential rain, freezing cold, didn't have any warm jacket or anything. And I just switched on my phone, London Marathon's cancelled. And I was like, well, this yeah. is great. Yeah, I could have stayed where I was. <laughs> it was not a good car ride home. I was very moody. <laughs> <laughs> and tired, I imagine. Very tired. Yeah. So then from there, I mean, that, I mean, that was, you know, everyone struggled with the, the, 
Nothing's been cancelled. It, it, it feels like really weird now that we even thought they still might go ahead at any point, um, given how life's changed so much. But then from there, so the, the marathon got cancelled and then you had a few days of jet lag and stuff and the brain must have been quite confused. How did you kind of get your head around what was what you needed to do next? Because, you know, your big training goal and the marathon for you wasn't just the marathon, was it? It was the Olympic qualifying race. Um, yeah. And at that point, the Olympics were still going ahead. Um, and at that point, they were also saying there was going to be a trial race, weren't they? So you, actually, I suppose you still had to do get into training. Yeah, um, that was the thing, yeah, with the trial race, because although London Marathon got cancelled for us, the trial race was going to be the same weekend. So I basically just didn't stop. I obviously had a few easier days because of the jet lag and stuff, yeah. but um, that was already in the plan anyway. And then, yeah, um, it was kind of just like keep training as normal. Um, and it wasn't till the day after lockdown actually where I think they announced the trial wasn't happening and obviously that was a bit obvious but um yeah we went into lockdown on a Monday and then I think it was a Tuesday we actually got email confirmation um saying that the trials were cancelled but yeah up until the trials was officially cancelled I still carried on like marathon training um and then even when the trials was cancelled I still carried on training because I still the Olympics hadn't been cancelled and I thought well I am in a qualifying position um, I'm the second fastest qualifier, so the likelihood is if the Olympics does go ahead and there's no trial, I'm still going to be selected. Um, so I was just training uh, like normal, and then pretty much since then till now, I've just been, well, once the Olympics was cancelled and London, I, the trials, I obviously didn't do marathon training anymore, just kind of like reduced reduced training that I would do, I'd say around like September, um, September time kind of training, just like in between just ticking over, yeah. not pushing really hard, but still doing a decent amount of mileage. And then that's what I've been doing ever since. <laughs> yeah. So th- so that was, you know, two runs most days. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing 100 to 120 miles a week, something like that. Um, 110. 110, I usually, yeah. 100 to 110. Um, so, yeah, for, obviously it, it, that sounds high, but for me, I've been running like 100 and in Australia, I was running up to 120 and the intensity was a lot higher, obviously, when I'm marathon training. So yeah. it's the intensity for me that's um, that really makes me get tired, whereas the actual mileage, although it sounds a lot like 110, it is a lot of mileage. But when I um, say it's reduced intensity, it's a lot of easy days. And for me, time on your feet isn't actually that detrimental. Like, I feel fine doing a yeah. lot of miles. It's yeah. more the intense sessions that really get me tired. So I wasn't doing a load of really hard workouts I was doing sessions still but yeah yeah and that and it, the whole thing I mean it, it, when my in my time of knowing you you've had some real rough luck with racing so <laughs> your training's always been really good so you go back you go so in this one you had the Olympics was cancelled and just before that the trials were cancelled just before that London Marathon as a uh, as a mass participation event was cancelled so that that was like a run of stuff that you had to cope with and deal with and then you had last year you had the disappointment of Doha where you didn't finish because it was so hot in the world championships yeah. uh London 2019 was actually your best ever race wasn't it the 225 um yeah, amazing performance and really well deserved and then but then prior to that 2018 had been a terrible year because you'd had illness and you'd had yeah. injury um so <laughs> it's, you've had basically since I've known you since we've been working um, to, to help you you've had one race where you've actually been able to show what you're capable of 
Yeah, over the marathon. I mean, I yeah, think... Yeah, true. You've had really good half marathons in there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, the thing since London 2019, I've had some pretty good half marathons, which I'm actually, like, not surprised about. But, you know, when you're focused on the marathon, I was focused on the marathon so much that I didn't neglect the half marathon, but they were, like, bonuses, really. To mm. run 68.08 at the Great North Run was, like, not a shock, but I was kind of, I would never have expected to run that last year. Like, it wasn't a goal of mine. I was, my goal was to, um, yeah, finish, like, top five at Doha. Um, so that was a bonus. And then the race in Japan was a bonus. And actually, this year, I did get um, 68.23 at Marigami Half yeah. Marathon. So that was my second fastest half ever. Um, so since the disappointment of Doha, I'm glad I have got to race. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, what's interesting about that is you ran Marigami last year, didn't you? But it was you ran six, yeah. 69. I've got it written down somewhere. 45? Yeah. That's 46. Like 46 I've got written down. 69, 46. <laughs> so you were 90 seconds or so quicker this year than you were last year. And yet, yeah. and last year you then went on to run a 225-38 marathon. Uh, yeah. So you were obviously in great shape going into the qualifying race for the Olympics and looking to PB by another good margin. Yeah, that was the aim. <laughs> yeah, so it's a shame. You just don't know. Um, but that's the thing we learn though, isn't it? The, the, you don't, you train and you have the race, uh, and your race is the opportunity to put your training to the test, but you, um, you don't lose the fitness that comes with that training. So at some stage, okay. you're going to get the payoff for the hard work. Exactly. That's exactly what happened in, in 2018. So obviously I trained for London Marathon then, um, and then got injured. I think it was three weeks or four weeks before I got a stress reaction in my femur, so I had to take six weeks off. Um, And then I was kind of like, okay, I actually got selected for the Europeans off my previous time. Um, So they selected me, uh, so I was training for that, and then I didn't race until I got to the Europeans. Um, Again, I actually got in pretty good shape um, after the injury. I didn't have a race to prove it, but then dropped out of that race, and then I ended up getting glandular fever, um after that so I took a whole month off no cross training no exercise nothing um and I thought well there's no way it's going to be really hard for me to turn this around because I didn't even really start running until October of 2018 and then obviously 2019 was my best year ever so if I look back and I think well I took a whole month of nothing and then I also had six weeks of cross training with an injury a really well not really bad but it was a stress reaction so it was pretty bad um and yeah, it's that whole year, um, I was still training, but it just goes to show that it's all banked. So 2019 was my best year. Yeah. Um, so the rest and the cross training and no races seem to help. Yeah, yeah, maybe it well, maybe it does actually help rather than hinder. Who knows? <laughs> I know. Uh, it's a mad thing that we'll, we'll, we'll never know. Does that then give you uh, a bit of, I don't know, um, confidence, I suppose, that the break you're getting from racing now and probably, you know, who knows when you'll race again, but that, that break, you're more confident now than you might have been in the past that you're going to be okay coming out of it. So you're not, yeah, so you're a bit 100%. more relaxed. Yeah, even about training, I'm more relaxed now because I know I can get fit pretty quickly um, because of all the years that I've been running and the base that I've got behind me. If I had to take uh, like another whole month of doing nothing off for whatever reason, um, I know I could get in good shape in like 10 to 12 weeks, no problem. Um, because you, like you said, you don't lose what you 
gotten had in the past. Obviously, you do have to get race sharp, but for the marathon, I feel like it's more the base that you do establish um, rather than having to race a lot. Whereas, like a fifteen hundred meter runner might take a few to get going. Yeah. I feel like for the marathon runners, once you've done a couple of good long runs, you're like you feel ready to go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, so yeah, I definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's right because you don't need that same level of kind of sharpness, both in terms of racing sharpness, but also fitness sharpness that you do for a short distance track track race where you've got to be really at it and on it from the very from the very word go yeah exactly i mean i don't obviously i wouldn't say to everyone like don't train don't keep fit during this time because that i am keeping fit and i am training but i would just say yeah you don't need to be smashing it and yeah you don't need to really not worry but yeah. the lack of racing isn't an issue I don't find it an issue really because even when I do have like a whole um year of racing I only probably race about five times yeah <laughs> um yeah. So it's not really that much if you think about it like it's my job to race um but I only race five times in 12 months it's hardly hardly anything so I am kind of used to it yeah. um, getting in the big blocks of training and not racing it's interesting I saw a thing the other day that Kelly Southerton wrote in the newspaper I didn't read the whole thing but it was about you know how uh, the Olympians who are, or people who are trying to become 2020 Olympians next year are shouldn't really be caning their training right now. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I yeah. didn't read it also, but I saw the link was tweeted. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously some people have come out saying, what's she talking about? Um, you know, people to continue to need to train. But I suppose if she's talking about track runners, like a 1500 metre person, why why would they be caning it right now when there's no racing for them? They're obviously, they're pre competition and their base lane period is way longer this year than it's ever ever been before so the risk is yeah. they peak early and the risk is they damage themselves and they injure themselves why would they put themselves under that amount of pressure 12 months before what they're trying to compete in and for you know, yeah. but obviously they, they still need to train and i doubt she was saying they need to go and sit in the garden and drink beer and ice cream i'm sure there was some moderation to what she was saying yeah i i agree i think um Although you do need to keep a general base fitness, I think that to reduce injury, fatigue um, and everything really, it's a good chance, which we don't really get as athletes, to have um, like a bit of a relaxed time because we're always building up to the next competition. Mm. Even in 2018, I had I had that injury in my femur and as soon as I got selected for the Europeans, I was already like cross-training with the idea in mind that in August I needed to be fit for the Europeans. Um, which is like I wasn't rushing back from the injury, but I definitely wasn't um, like relaxing. Whereas, yes, you do need to rest as well. And I think this year is probably a good time because if everything goes to plan, the next four years are going to be pretty hectic for us. Um, yeah, that's with true. With the competitions and stuff. And, you know, if you're battering it this year, then I feel like the next four years you might pay the price. Whereas, yeah. like, what are we training for right now? We, the Olympics is next year. Uh, I don't know, like London Marathon in October, if that goes ahead, it's still ages away. Um, so I'm not saying, yeah, sit in the garden and don't do any exercise, yeah. definitely train. But, like, I don't see really see the point in doing, like, time trials or, like, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, creating unnecessary pressure. And yeah. I had this conversation yesterday with Ewan Cameron, who I coach and who coaches with Milestone Pursuit as well. But he um, he's a 222 guy. And he uh, and we were talking about his running and he's actually had COVID. So he's he was poorly for a bit uh, and quite poorly, too. You know, he was really off his feet for 10 days and couldn't do much and then felt really bad. 
for the 10 or 15 days afterwards. And we were chatting about virtual races and you know, virtual races, they were a thing when lockdown first happened. And I think there was quite a lot of latent fitness that everyone had, you know, from marathon training that they wanted to use. And there's a load of people smashing out really fast times doing stuff, but it's now become uh, in some circles, at least it's become quite, a, uh, it's become a bit of, bit of a chore actually getting into a virtual race because it's really hard to get yourself up to doing a five mile time trial or a 5k time trial whatever it is on your own uh pushing yourself really hard and they're also coming thick and fast so there's like you could do one every three or four days if you wanted to you could find them you know but why are you pushing yourself to that limit to that extent there's just no point right now um if you want to yeah. do it and have a bit of fun great but doing them all and doing them all back to back is probably not helping you yeah, I agree. I think uh, it is good for motivation. Like some people um, do prefer to have a goal. So yeah. for some of our athletes, for example, we've set like a mile challenge, which we did a couple yeah. of uh, months ago. Where we did a mile and then a month later they would run another mile. But we chose a mile because no one races over a mile. So yeah, you can't great. really compare. Yeah, so it's more like, like you said, pressure free, um, a bit of fun rather than, like, you're doing a 10K next weekend, you must run uh, 40 minutes for your 10K. Like, that's just, I, I don't personally see that that's the point of that for for joggers no, or I, runners I, or I, anyone, really. Yeah, I agree. And, and um, I mean, I've done a lot of the work that I've been doing for, for people, our coaches, around the, the mental health side of it anyway. You know, running right now has never been more useful than, or running has never been more useful to people's mental health than it has been, in my opinion, through lockdown. And the weather yeah. has helped with that massively, so we've been able to get out and about. But you also just you read and see and speak to people, and you know that people are relying on running more than anything else right now to keep themselves sane. And that, you know, in the past, we might have said that in a sort of half-joking way, uh, but obviously, we've known there's real tangible mental health benefits. But right now, it's like, no, don't do anything that is going to risk your ability to run, so that you don't get the mental ben- health benefits of doing it. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just no point in in trying to destroy yourself uh but you know everyone's different and everyone's trying to do different things i mean i know people who are running 140 miles a week trying to do crazy stuff running you know basically running ultra marathons uh and i may well do some longer stuff at some stage when i can be bothered myself but uh and especially now it's getting we're getting through the worst of what feels like we're getting through the worst of it i think it's sort of okay to push yourself a bit harder but like you say not back to back what's the point and going back to your um, thought about 2021 that is going to be a big year isn't it so you've got the well potentially you've got the olympics the world championships uh yeah, london. the london marathon um, yeah uh i suppose the oh the commonwealth games in 22 on there yeah and then uh and the european championships are they they're 22 as well aren't they yeah they're 22 yeah 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 so you could have you potentially got Two times the London Marathon twice and two other um, potential races, but you, you're not yeah. likely to do six, are you, in that period of time? Six races. Yeah, so oh. London, London Olympics, Worlds, and then London Europeans, Commonwealth Games. Yeah, that would be a lot of marathons. Yeah, um, wouldn't it? No, I wouldn't do all of those. No. Um, so I would have to pick which ones. Obviously, London Marathon, if that was the trial race for the Olympics, that I would have to do that. And then the Olympics, if I got selected, I would definitely do that. Sure, yeah. And then they would be the main two priorities for next year. Yeah. Um, and then 
everything else would just be planned after that, really. Yeah. Um, depending, basically, our London Marathon goes in April if it's the trial. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Olympics is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, I think it's been pretty clear to me ever since I've known you that the Olympics is a big driver for you. So you came out of, uh, well, I got, first met you in 2017. So that was a year after Rio. And even then you were thinking about talking about Tokyo. Um, yeah. So and it's another Charlotte disappointment that the Olympics is going to be in 2021 um, rather than 2020. And so talk to me about that a little bit, about why the Olympics is so important for you. Um. I just, I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I feel like it's something that, um, like, as an athlete, you'll strive for. But I don't know. I feel like 2012, I tried to qualify in the 10K. Um, And back then, they had an A and a B standard. Um, And you could, British Athletics could only take um, three athletes on the A standard or no athletes on the A standard and one athlete on the B standard. Um, and they couldn't take a combination, so they couldn't take two athletes on an A standard and one on a B standard. That was just the way that it works back then. Right. Um, so I ran the B standard for the 10K. Um, the B standard was 32.10, and I ran 32.03 on the track. Cool. Um, and the A standard was 31.45, so I was off that. Um, so two people ran the A standard, and I had the B standard. I was third fastest. Um, obviously, they selected um, Joe Pavey and Julia Bleasdale, who had the A standard, so I missed out, um, which was obviously fair, but it was annoying because I was really close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's obviously and in London. Think, yeah, exactly. So I, I was trying so hard to get that standard, but I didn't get it. So my fastest time was, yeah, the B standard, which was still good, but yeah, I was annoyed. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, on to 2016 then. Um, and then we actually made the choice. I switched coaches in that time, and I 2016 was my first marathon, yeah. um, and it was the London Marathon, and it was the Olympic Trials, um, and I chose to do it uh, as my first one. Which, yeah, I, I still I don't regret that at all. Um, but obviously, I was unknown into the event. I didn't really know um, how it was going to go. Uh, Ali Dixon and Sonia Samuels they already had the qualifying time from the year before. So they didn't have to run the time. They just had to get round and finish in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the race, I had to get the time and I had to finish in the top two to be automatic or top three. Um, and, yeah, the race went out pretty slow. Um, but obviously, being my first one, I didn't really want to push it on too much. So I just stayed with the group. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up finishing third. Uh, and my time was 2.32.48. Um, which I was happy about, but the British Athletics qualifier was 231. Hmm. Um, but the IAAF qualifier was 245. Um, but obviously British Athletics made it harder, but I was the third fastest. Oh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And back then they could have, um, if they didn't have their own standards, they could have taken the top three fastest and I would have been the third fastest. Um, but they had their own standard of 231. Um, and I was gutted because, yeah, I think Ali won the British race, but she, she ran 2.31 something and Sonia was 2.31 something. So they were outside the time as well on that day, but because they already had the time, yeah. they didn't need to worry about it. Whereas, yeah, that was, that was gutting for me really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cause it, it kind of felt like that time in 2012, I knew I, uh, well, I couldn't go because it, 
I didn't get the time. But to actually have like the official IAAF time um, and then to be third fastest and in my first marathon, I kind of felt like that was a bit of kicking the gut. Yeah, that's annoying, isn't it? Because that was the race as well. I remember now that they, they had all kinds of athletes from all over the world who'd run a 2.43 or yeah. something. and they were going, And they yeah. were going, yeah. And, and you were other countries who who I knew, sorry, um, yeah, the athletes from other countries who I knew who had run like 2.37 and they were like, oh, I'm going to the Olympics. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Um, but yeah, that obviously, they, British Athletics have their reason for having their own time. So, you know, um, that is what it is. But then, yeah, this year again, I feel like, oh, <laughs> yeah. it's like third time. <laughs> Hopefully no more bad luck for the Olympics. But I have come to think that Although I do really want to make the Olympics, and the Olympics is great, it is just another competition at the end of the day. Um, so my mindset about the Olympics has changed in the fact that it would be great to be an Olympian and to run in the Olympics. But what I enjoy is running and competing. So if I never made the Olympics, but I still got to run the London Marathon and go to the World Champs or go to the Commonwealth Games, like that's what I enjoy. So I'm not going to like retire or anything if I don't become an Olympian that's not what makes me um what that's not what drives me anymore right okay that's interesting that makes sense yeah it does and and I suspect that running 225 at London last year is a factor in that because you've got a time now that is and a, a relative position in history that is reflective of your capability as an athlete so you don't yeah 100%. yeah so you don't need to prove yourself to anyone by being an Olympian you are the fourth fastest British marathoner of all time right now and you know, there's every chance you can improve upon that. Um, so yeah, I spoke to um, a few athletes in the group in Melbourne Track Club because, like, pretty much everyone in my group is an Olympian. <laughs> um, but a lot of them have actually said the fact that they're like, yeah, the Olympics is great. Um, but they they've all told me that it hasn't. It's not an anti-climax, but it hasn't changed them as an athlete. Like, they're happy that they can say they've been to the Olympics. But a couple of them have had like their first Olympics at Rio, um, one or two of them didn't perform the way they wanted to and they don't have good experiences of the Olympics and they have better experiences of, say, a World Championships or a Commonwealth Games. And they say, they tell me all the time that although it is great to be an Olympian, they it doesn't make their career. They, they don't look back at that and think that was the pinnacle of my career. Mm. Um, I think that, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I think that makes sense. And I, I think for you, it's, it's great that you have got that, that fast marathon time in you and you competed in big championships already. So you've obviously competed in the world championships as well, not just in Doha, but in London in 2017, we had a really good race. Um, so you've kind of got some stuff you can already, you can look back on with pride if your career was to finish today. I'm not obviously suggesting it will, but, uh, and, and I think that's kind of key, but I think also what's behind that. Um, well, actually, I'll ask you if that is, if, if you do think it's behind it, but having the Olympics there as something to drive for creates a direction of travel. So, you know, you right now, as you're thinking about your training, the Olympics is a big factor in it, isn't it? You're thinking, what do I need to do now to be ready for Tokyo in August 2021? Um, yeah. And if it does happen or if it doesn't happen, that's less important. But what it is doing is giving you a purpose to to the way you live your life and do your running right now. Yeah, 100%. Like, this whole year was planned pretty much down to a T with the Olympics in mind, not even London Marathon in mind. Like, that was a big goal of mine to run a PV at London Marathon, but a bigger goal of mine was to run at the Olympics. So everything was planned for that. Um, so, yeah, now, 
obviously not really knowing when the next race is going to be, but once we do have kind of more we can plan, then everything will again be planned with that in mind. Yeah. Um, so it does kind of dictate definitely at least next year. Yeah, and I think, um, if just rambling a little bit, but, you know, with life being the way it is right now, and there are no certainties about what life is going to be like in three, six, nine, twelve months in any sector. So not just for you as an athlete, but for you as a person, for me as a person, for everybody who can be bothered to listen to us talking. Um, you've, you've got stuff that you just don't know what's going to happen. But if you've got a direction of travel, so if you've got something that you're at least attempting to do, it helps create that level of certainty in an uncertain world. And if you've, for you, it's about, you know, the Olympics is there. It's in 2021 now. Fingers crossed. Um, but it creates, uh, purpose for you today in a way that perhaps if it wasn't there, you wouldn't have such purpose. And perhaps when I mean, people are struggling with that generally in life right now, it's like, what is their purpose? And I know there are a lot of people who are reflecting upon, you know, what they do for a living. How do they work? What types of ways do they want to live in the future? Um, and for me, that the, the reason I wanted to talk to you about the Olympics was I knew it was important to you, but it's also um, something that is there that creates a sense of purpose for you in your life. And, you know, obviously not everybody is going to have the Olympics to look forward to or to try to um, aspire to, to competing in. But what is the equivalent? You know, what is everyone's Olympics? And that's something I think people yeah. could be spending time thinking about right now. Yeah, I do agree. I also, I do think though that a lot of people have asked me why I'm training and how I keep motivated to run like 110 miles a week right now. But I also feel that I do just enjoy running. Um, so if, for example, the Olympics got cancelled next year, I'm not again going to stop running like that. I enjoy training and I enjoy doing sessions and I enjoy doing long runs and it's not effort for me to go out and do a two hour long run on a Sunday like that's just what I enjoy um like that's why I have to be held back um too much um that is just me but I generally do enjoy just the feeling of going out for a run so I think it's also important when there is no races for people to realize that if they enjoy running, then there's no pressure right now. So just enjoy running for what it is. Like you don't have to time your runs even. If you don't want to have the pressure of running certain times, then just go out and do whatever you want. Like no one really cares. No. Um, yeah. yeah, it's more relaxed. Yeah, definitely. And and this the reality of runners is that we have we we you know we tie our self worth a lot to our performance level. So you know we call ourselves a runner. Yeah. But I've already said you know you and a two twenty two guy. You know, you're a 225 runner. That, and they, they, those things create definitions for people that are artificial. Yeah. They're just a, a, a relative performance measure on a certain occasion. And of course you can look back on it and I will and, and look back at my running and go, no, I've, I've run some half decent marathons and done, you know, some stuff that I'm proud of. But that's not what defines me as a, as a person or as an athlete. What defines me is, you know, how hard I try, the effort I put in, the way I think about the long term. And I think, uh, you can get lost in, in numbers around racing and stuff and forget exactly to your point what running is and how beneficial it can be and how how lucky we are in lots of ways to be fit enough to be able to get out every day and go for a run and enjoy it and see different things and all that kind of stuff it's it sounds a bit um sounds a bit naff in lots of ways but it is it is just nice isn't it just nice to be able to be fit enough to run especially when the weather's good yeah i know exactly and it's amazing and you train in some amazing places so you train a lot in Bushy Park and in uh, the Windsor Great Park. You still training yeah. there? 
yeah. yeah. So you've got some great locations. I'm in Epping Forest now, and I can, you know, I've got some great runs on the doorstep. I can just get out and hit the trails really nicely. And so you don't, you know, you don't need to create unnecessary pressure around stuff. But it yeah. is good to have direction of travel. It's good to know, you know, what you're, yeah, what you're ultimately shooting for, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's all, uh, yeah. So it's very, very interesting time for you. And I guess, I, I suppose, in lots of ways as well. You've got um, what's helping you with your experience of dealing with the Olympics is the disappointments you've had before. You know, the races that yeah. haven't gone well, the races, you know, like in Doha, which you know, we won't go, go into how you feel about Doha because <laughs> we've, we've had that conversation before. Let's not drag up the past, but you know, there's been disappointment and that presumably helps you frame things for the future as well. Yeah, I think uh, every time I have a setback, I've always come back better um, from that setback. So it's more just the past experiences of every time I've learned something from it. So even if it's an injury or getting sick or a race being cancelled, they all you all apply the same mindset to that. So for yeah. me it's just another setback but doesn't doesn't mean anything for the future, like anything can happen. So yeah, I'm not seeing it as a bad thing necessarily. It's just something that's happening like on the journey really. Yeah, exactly. And that, so the other thing that's I think is interesting from your perspective, because you are a professional athlete, so you are paid to run. Um, yeah. you, you're paid appearance fees, you win prize money, uh, and obviously you're sponsored by a few, um, few businesses here and there, and you're less interesting as a, as someone to sponsor if you're not competing and if you're not in the public eye. Uh, so yeah. how, how's that going? How's, is everything alright <laughs> on that front? Um, yeah, it's obviously annoying, um, because like you said, I earn the majority of my money from appearance fees and from prize money, but um, I'm still sponsored by Nike. They've obviously been really good. Um, and luckily last year I did get put on British Athletics funding. Yeah. Um, so that's a big help for like medical um, insurance and stuff. Um, Cause mm. I used to have to pay for my own medical insurance, which is not cheap if you're a professional athlete. No, funny enough, um, you take the professional athlete box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, oh, you're okay. Yeah, high risk category, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So for the past four years, that's been bankrupting me basically. Yeah. Um, but obviously necessary. Um, but yeah, so I do have um, some help, and obviously I have my coaching business as well, um, which we set up two years ago. So that's already been set up um but obviously it's not ideal not being able to race and earn money um because yeah like that's that's how I earn the majority of my money um the Olympics obviously you don't earn money from but you get sponsorship from that um there's more opportunities around the Olympics so obviously they've kind of all stopped now um so yeah it's not ideal but just trying to deal with it really yeah I mean there's obviously loads of people in the same boat aren't they everyone yeah, it's been affected in one way or another by by this, either financially or physically. Um, so you're not alone, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this whole um, situation is that you know it, it's a unique situation that it affects everybody, but it's also unique because it's affecting everybody in a completely unique way. So everyone's yeah. everyone's situation is different. And I, you now I look around, and you, you, if you spend any time on Twitter, you know you end up driving yourself nuts because you've you're, you're either listening to people ranting about stuff or you're listening to people ranting about people ranting. Uh, and there's no, it doesn't seem to be any, a great deal of appreciation that everyone's situation is different. 
Um, yeah. And it's it, it's okay for everybody to be struggling. It's okay for everybody to have difficulties. And I feel for someone like you because you know there are obviously greater charitable causes than Charlotte Perdue's Olympic dreams. Um, well, yeah, but you know that doesn't mean it's not important. It's not important, you know. No. Um, and that sort of ties me back to what the milestone pursuit has tried to do for you, for Josh Griffiths, and now for Dan Studley, which is to try and support you a little bit. Um, because I know we know that you know it can be difficult for you to to live, frankly, as a professional athlete, which you have to be these days because you can't you know expect to train and be competitive internationally over the marathon distance if you're doing another job I don't think anyway I mean some people obviously do but I think it's hard to get to your standard if you're also working um so it's you know just trying to do that I think trying to provide a little bit of support is is important the reason I think it's important is because you provide inspiration to those of other people you know and you know if you're running and you're still fit and you're still training hard and you're able to compete you're providing aspiration for people further down um, behind you in the in the pecking order, so to speak. So it is important that you're you're moving. I think. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it's de- it's definitely been um, appreciated all the support that you have given me. Um, especially, like I said, um, the years like I've only been on funding since November. So the years before that, um, having to fund like everything medical, which is expensive, because um, as an athlete, you know. Um, you have to have physio and yeah. massages and training camps are uh, all really self-funded um, from me. So yeah. definitely appreciate it. Well, that's, that's the thing that I've always been surprised about. So, you know, I've, I, I knew that you weren't funded um, when we first met and I, at all by British Athletics. So you, you were getting nothing. Um, and then, but I, I assumed that you would still get quite a lot of support, in, certainly in terms of training camps. So your ability to go to altitude and, um, train with other athletes of a similar ability to you you were having to fund yourself um yeah so British athletics they do have funded um camps which they put on so a couple a year i think there's probably three a year that they put on um so when you're not on funding those spots go to funded athletes first so they have a number of spots per camp so i don't know if it's a really expensive camp like summer it's in switzerland yeah. they'll have um maybe 15 funded, fully funded spots where everything's paid for. Um, and then if there aren't 15 athletes that take up those spots, they give them to people that they think are, I don't know, like the next best, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, and then you can get a spot. But, yeah, for me, obviously, having a coach who's Australian means that I'm unlikely to go, was unlikely and I'm unlikely to go on a camp in, say, January or December with British Athletics to train with, other people when I would prefer and to be with my coach and my group in Australia. So yeah. part of it is voice um, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. So I'm not, but obviously, yeah, in the previous years, those funded spots haven't been uh, readily available to me always. But now, like, well, I was hoping this year they were, <laughs> they were going to be, but obviously no camps this year. Yeah. No, yeah. But yeah, I would always um, choose to go with my, my group and my coach for that means the sacrifice obviously is paying for it which is fine because like you said it's my job and that's what I I'm happy to do that I, I love going to Australia but yeah <laughs> yeah and you and you do love it that, that Australia trip every year so you go every year for across the winter and you've got a really good group very competitive athletes of a similar ability yeah. to you both male and female um that you train with yeah 
That's yeah. It. yeah. And, and that's just not available in the UK, is there? There isn't that same sort of training centre. No. Um, I mean, we don't have anything special in Australia, as in like a, a centre no. that's like everything. Like we, I don't, I have to pay for physio. Um, it's, there's not like physio that we get for free and everything. It's, it's just pretty much the same set up as some groups do have over here. It's just more the fact that my coach and my whole group um, that I train with are Australian. So it, it makes it um, difficult for me to, I don't have anyone back here to train with except for my partner, Adam, because yeah, my group that I chose is Australian, so it was choice. But, um, yeah, I love training with them. And, yeah, I think Nick's a great coach, and he's definitely done a great job um, for my running career anyway. So yeah. I, I'm not going to not go to Australia anymore. No, you can't argue with the choices, definitely. Uh, so right now, who, who obviously you've got Adam, who's your partner, but are you, are you out running with him most days now? Yeah, so we easy run together um, every day. Uh, I usually do longer than him, but yeah. <laughs> I do have company for him with him for most of the run. Um, and then on the session days, I'm just training alone, um, which I actually don't mind um, most of the year. I only find it, I, I don't really like doing it before a big competition or a chance because it's good to have other people to push you and yeah. um, stuff. But I think this time of year, it's probably a good thing because otherwise I'd too <laughs> yeah so right now when you're just running easy it doesn't doesn't matter so much it's just when you've got going to the reserves a little bit and having someone on your back yeah it's quite useful isn't it yeah and especially for like the long marathon sessions yeah. um to have either nick on the bike or like shanae's to train with that's been so beneficial to me yeah so yeah and obviously you're going to be in the uk for a little while longer aren't you so who knows when you're going to get back to australia I know. I was, I was thinking, like, as soon as those flights come available, mm. I need to book something just so I've got something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess because I mean, it's the quarantine either side that's the problem right now, isn't it? So you'd have to be self-isolating for two weeks before you go and two weeks when you get there and all that sort of stuff or whatever the rules are. I don't even know what the rules are right now. But I don't think uh, Australia are actually allowing any people in the country still. Um, oh, right. Okay. But I don't see then. if that will change, but they... Yeah, they're, they're really strict over there, so they, they won't allow anyone in or out right now, I don't think, at all. Because um, they're obviously way on the other side of the world, so they can kind of stay in their little bubble, which is good. Um, yeah. But yeah, means I can't get there. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, so you're short of training partners for when, when it, but you're not right now, because you, you've got, you know, when you're ready to go training again, I'll have to yeah. come, come down to, to Bushy Park and, and uh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> they you say hang on, but last time we did that K session, no. you were in front of me. Yeah, but they they were just Ks. If it's a tempo run, I'm I would be struggling right now, and also I've, I'd be struggling on Ks right now as well. <laughs> really? There's no way I'd be able to keep up with you anymore. You're too fast. <laughs> it was fun though, trying to hang on to you for a while. But, <laughs> it was yeah. good. Mm. But yeah, well, well, definitely have, we'll have to do that um, at some yeah. stage because now we're we're allowed to train to with people now we're allowed to have groups of six as long as you're social distance socially distanced yeah that's, so that's, that's true that would be cool to come down and come down and compare your deer in bushy park to the deer i can see in epping forest all the time <laughs> we've got, yeah we've got way better deer here than you have i'm joking uh, are quite friendly though <laughs> yeah they are but your dogs are less friendly are they yeah, well, you don't like your you you hate running with dogs. Oh don't yeah, you? I hate dogs when I'm running. Yeah, I was just thinking like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Um, I don't think I've got any other questions. I've taken up forty five minutes of your time. That's probably enough for most people to listen to us 
gabbering on about running. Um, they may choose not to listen at all and they may choose to ignore everything that we're saying. But uh, hopefully it's been vaguely useful and vaguely interesting to people. Um, uh, so thank you for taking the time to speak to me. It's, it's, it's a bit annoying as well because the weather's amazing. So you should be outside enjoying the sunshine. Right. Right. Exactly. We've actually been so lucky um, since I've got back. The weather has been pretty good, except for that one day where I landed. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> we obviously brought the weather with you because it has been amazing all the way through lockdown. Imagine what it would have been like if it had rained all the way through. Well, it would have been terrible, yeah. Yeah, it would truly have been awful. Um, so, yeah, at least we've had weather to keep us going. And keep running. So keep moving. Good work. So you, you're staying easy for the next couple of weeks. Just one run a day, an hour a day. Don't, so boring. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't push it. No, I won't. Uh, no, I know it's good for me in the long run. Like I said, I haven't had any time off since... So hard. So um, if I don't have it now, I don't know when I would have it in the next probably four years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I'm taking it now. Fair enough. And have some ice creams as well. Oh yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, good work. Great. Well, well, thank you very much for your time, and I'll um, I'll be in touch soon. Cool. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 